You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 87. In this episode, I'm joined by Georgia Grace, and we're talking all about a topic and conversation that is not had enough period sex. Right now, it is day three of my menstrual cycle, and I'm currently menstruating. The question that on a lot of women's minds is, oh, I'm feeling really aroused or I'm horny. Do I have sex? Do I not have sex? And that could be sex with self or sex with another. And this is a topic that I feel is not talked about. So I reached out to Georgia on Instagram and said, girl, come over and join me on this podcast. I want to have you join me to talk about period sex. Now, if you don't know who Georgia Grace is, she is a certified Australian sex coach. She applies a client-centered approach to supporting individuals, couples, and groups to mindfully, powerfully, and radically become more aware of their bodies, sex, and sexuality. Georgia works with her clients in her practice in Sydney and also globally online. She runs large, regular-scale workshops, appears on panels, and presents on a wide range of topics in Australia. Now, Georgia also has a book. It's called The Pleasure Journal on Masturbation. So you need to go check that out on her website. The links are in the show notes to this episode. And Georgia is a passionate pleasure activist. She's committed to playing a role in this current sexual revolution, and she's doing so by joining us for this episode. So throughout this episode, we are talking all about period sex, everything you need to know about period sex, basically. Do people really have period sex? We talk about the connection with your sexual desires and how you can amplify that whilst you're menstruating. Is period sex safe for both menstruators and non-menstruators? We talk about what happens with the blood. We also dive into conversations around period sex with your sexual partner. Whether you're just new dating or you've been together for many years, there's some really great tips shared here about how you can open up these conversations, along with how you can begin a daily desires practice, co-creating your sexual experiences. We talk about period sex taboos and we wrap it up on recommendations on how to have a good period sex experience. Georgia gives us her three top tips on how to start a sexual experience whilst menstruating. I loved recording this episode with Georgia. Now, if you don't know who she is, I would recommend whilst we're going through this episode, reaching out to her on Instagram, go and check her out at Instagram. You'll find her at gspot.underscore. That's gspot.underscore. Before we jump into it, I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by the Well Women Academy. Well Women Academy is a weekly membership where together we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only, self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, video, audio, and guided home study. Led by myself and other pioneering guest teachers, together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and lots more. This is your chance to join an international supportive community of women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's like no other in the world. Not to mention, it's cheaper than your daily coffee fix. Learn more and join us at wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash academy. 
Georgia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gemma. I'm so happy to be here. I'm thrilled that you're here because I feel like recently on the podcast, we've been cracking open into conversations that people want to have, but they're just so scared or afraid, or there's so much shame around having them. And period sex is one of those conversations. So before we jump into it, share with us and the listeners, what day of your cycle are you on and what are you checking in with in this moment today? Hmm. So I'm on day 10 of my cycle um, and I'm feeling a little bit exhausted, um, but also energized, which is pretty wacky for a body to experience both of those things. And Today I'm checking in with or prioritizing rest and really enjoying the pleasure of rest. I love the word prioritizing because mm. we can get so busy in inverted brackets about life and productive, but prioritizing is I'm making it a priority today. So, so important. I honor that. Thank you so much. Now let's get into who are you? <laughs> who is <laughs> Georgia Grace? So, um, uh, just a bit of backstory for the listeners is I randomly connected with Georgia on Instagram through a friend of a friend um, doing some work. I saw her stories that were shared and I was like, I need to get in touch with this chick. And I'd been sharing a little bit about period sex um, on my profile on Instagram and in newsletters. And then you did a post about periods. I was like, it's meant to happen. We're meant to talk about period sex. And here we are. So like share with us, who is Georgia Grace and how did you get into this line of work? Great question. So I'm a certified Australian sex coach. And what that means is I work with individuals and couples in session, supporting them um, to have more fulfilling relationship with their body or with someone else or with sex as a whole. I also uh, work with groups uh, in intimate workshops or large scale speaking events uh, on a whole range of topics around sex. Um, I also work with brands who are sex positive or in the sexual wellness space in both an ambassador role, but also an advisory role, um, supporting them in making sure that they communicate the right way, that the products are safe um, and inclusive and a whole range of other things that must be considered when putting products or brands out in sexual wellness. And then I also uh, write. So I'm a trained journalist and that has sort of led me to keep writing about sex and pleasure and I write for a range of different Australian media, as well as sort of work as a bit of a media commentator on a range of issues. And period sex has actually been coming up a lot in recent topics that I've been speaking about. And I just think it's so important because it, it, they're two taboo topics, sex and periods coming together and it's captivating to have a rewrite how we understand it and confront maybe our own taboos or our own initial responses and get a sense of how we do want to respond to period sex. Mm, and that's why I love podcasts for these topics because remember when you used to have to read the book and I remember like when 50 shades of gray came out and you'd be like in public or maybe on an airplane or sitting on the train or, you know, and reading this book and everyone can see the cover. <laughs> Imagine mm. if you read a book and, or you were reading a book and the cover, like the title said period sex and it was blood and like all these bits and pieces everywhere. You know, people would look at you like, what, who is she? What is she reading that for? Whereas people can listen to a podcast and 
no one knows what you're listening to. And I just find it such a great way to introduce controversial topics. And thank you for being here and sharing about it. But how did you become this woman who just knows a lot about sex and sex positivity and what a great blend journalism and sex coaching together. So how did this journey happen for you? So I've always been a really sexually curious person. And when I say always, I thought or I was aware of sex when I was a young person, like two years old. I was very curious around intimate scenes in movies and I had so many questions about bodies and that continued into my sort of younger years uh, and as I went into my teen years I, I had so many questions and I was fascinated and of course because of the time there was not a whole lot of information um, my parents did the best to educate me my friends obviously had as little clue as I did so we were no help for each other um, school didn't or couldn't provide the information that I needed and I guess most of my initial learning as a young person was trial and error, just trying to figure it out with my own self and my own experiences, but then when I was engaging with other people. But then I was always really interested in journalism. So I started studying journalism and in my final year, I was working at a community radio station as well as sort of just researching and, and writing a whole bunch of stories on sex and in that I was able to connect with many different humans in the sex space, whether that was, of course, sexologists or sex workers, sex researchers, sex activists, a, a whole range of humans. Um, and that, that felt really exciting. But then I got a job in PR and did that for a bit. Um, and it was when the Me Too movement was erupting that I was still working um, in this corporate job that I found really unfulfilling. And I just realized that so much needed to be done, um, both in the term, in, in the way of healing and supporting people who had been survivors of these awful experiences, but also looking towards what we could do to make sure that these awful experiences don't happen in education and in coaching and in providing people with the information that they so obviously want to need. So yeah, I quit my job, started studying again um, and have done four different certificates in a, in a range of um, modalities and have been working as a sex coach ever since. And here we are. Yep. <laughs> to this and, day. Uh, of hearing about people's journeys and how they get into these fields because you know if you think of journalism it's very stereotypical great job very you know white collar so to speak parents would be very proud this is very stereotypical like I said but then as always like, oh she's quit her job to become a sex coach <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. like when I meet people and they're like what do you do I'm like oh I work in women's health they're like oh really what kind of health I'm like I teach people about periods and menstrual cycles and they're like, oh, 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 okay. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> so it. I'm sure you get it very similar. Um, but they're topics that people don't talk about periods mm -hmm. and sex. Mm -hmm. And I always say, and if you've been a listener to, the, to this episode or sorry, this podcast for a while, I'm always like, we all exist because of a period. Mm -hmm. If periods didn't exist, we wouldn't exist. And then we all exist because people have sex. Mm -hmm. Now, I know not every single person on the planet today is born because of 
penetrative sex, but we exist because of sex. Sperm, egg, together, baby, hello. It all happens, but no one really talks about it as openly as what we could be. So let's talk about period sex. Mm-hmm. Now, the first question I have is, do people really have period sex? So the listeners who have never had this before, they're like, come on, people don't really do that, do they? Do people really have period sex? Absolutely. Yes, they do. And I think that this is, for for those people who maybe had that initial response um, in thinking, oh, do people actually do that? I can fully empathise and understand with how you may have come to that um, decision or idea. And I'm sure we'll get into unpacking a few of those later on. But because it is messy and also when you're bleeding, you can feel really vulnerable and you can be in pain and you can feel emotional and you can just want to be left alone. So the idea of having sex with someone else can feel like the the last thing that you want to do. But for some people, they are really horny, really aroused. They really want to have sex with their own body or with someone else. And just because they're bleeding, they're not going to let that get in the way of them experiencing pleasure or having a good time. So yeah, people do have period sex and people really enjoy it and look forward to it and love it and celebrate it. And if that is something that you're curious about, there's no reason why you shouldn't engage in pleasure on those few days of the month that you're bleeding. Beautiful. It just makes me think about the different four phases of of a woman's cycle and that menstruation in a winter is just one of those four phases. And for me personally, I know in my own sexual life, and I'm always talking about personal stories because I feel that people can relate to that, is I definitely can tell that my arousal, my sexual desire is different at each of the four phases. And it's consistently shifting and changing, just like the eight moons. And I think when it comes to bleeding, when women start to really acknowledge their bleeding time, then they acknowledge how they feel at that that time. And that's when they might recognize, oh, I do feel more aroused or I do have more desire right now. And so they might walk down that path. But what is the starting place for a woman? There's so many questions running through my mind right now. What is the starting place for a woman who during her bleeding time is feeling a little aroused or um, sexually desiring something? Because I know a lot of women can shun that out. So what's a step? Like, let's talk about the steps for women when this happens. Awesome question. And I would also um, like to acknowledge that um, not just women bleed, that people who don't identify as women Mm. or even don't call their genitals vulvas or vaginas or that they have a cervix still bleed. So for for any listeners out there... Yeah, who, who resonate with that language or don't resonate with that language um, to, to allow for that to be, we recognise your experience. Um, so Thank you for, for adding that in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so this is a really great question. And I think it's really awesome to hear, Gemma, that you feel so connected to your sensuality and your, it really embodied to... Um, understand when you're feeling aroused and to understand your desire hasn't always been like that for the listeners though like this is i'm 34 this year it hasn't been like that my whole adult life i'm just saying this is more so the last like five years i've really i feel like i know my body now 
like mm-hmm. once you get to 30, I really feel that like, all right, things are going to start to make a lot more sense. Exactly. And I think that's just such a great point too, because there's often this assumption that you should just be instantly connected with your sensuality without working on it. And often it does, it does take work. I would say that we have a lot against us from many different angles, socially, culturally, politically, um, how we feel emotionally and psychologically, all of those things can impact on your access to your own sensuality, your desire, your arousal. So for those who are perhaps just being introduced to these ideas, you absolutely can do it. And I would say, get curious about it. Get curious about your body, how your body feels, what you want and what you desire and take really small achievable steps to get there. Like whether it is something as simple as recognizing that you want to masturbate or that you're feeling horny and and perhaps it's initiating sex with someone else. Perhaps it's something as simple as, you know, every single day committing to something that is sensual for you. And that could be sensually rubbing in body lotion or sensually eating. Um, There's so many different ways that you can make sensuality and sexual pleasure a, a priority it's some it could be as simple as listening to your podcast and mm. um, ha- having these new ideas and reframing ideas um, to to yeah to to reshape responses or approaches and to really allow for yourself to be a sensual person or a sexually curious person I love that. I think there's a lot of stigma around the two words sexuality and sensuality. And recently in the Well Women Academy membership, I did a five-day challenge on sensuality and how sensuality has nothing to do with sexuality. Like they're actually two different things. Now, I'm not the sex coach here, so if I'm off track, you tell me. <laughs> but sensuality, I like to just think of sensuality in the sense of the senses. So just a really easy tip for the listeners is that if you are menstruating and today's day three of my menstrual cycle today, so this is a great example. Yesterday I recorded a video to share as an Instagram TV. And when this episode comes out, the that it will be out, the, the TV will be out. So you can go to my Instagram and check it out. And it's about mindful movement meditation, sensually, which is touch sound and really mo- like, not that movement is a sense, but it involves your senses of touch and sound. And being sensual literally is about, you know what, I'm going to play some beautiful music, whatever sensual music is to you, or I'm going to sensually eat food that just really nourishes me right now. Or I'm going to go outside and just, I love Georgia Lake when the air is brushing across my face and it literally is, that's so essential to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So sensuality can mean many things. So I thought that was like, just wanted to add that in there. Absolutely. Um, and that's a really great point because I find that when I'm, I'm working with people, they expect that when it comes to sex, they should just be able to flick the switch, be an instantly engorged, aroused, horny, freak in the bed. Porn-like. And, <laughs> and just, and, and then as soon as they're done having sex for 20 minutes, then they're back to their normal self. And of course our bodies don't work that way, that it often takes a regular daily practice of 
being mindful of being aware of your desires and your boundaries and your consent and what you're willing to do and not willing to do, what excites you, what turns you on, how you want to be touched, how you want to touch others, all of these questions that it, it puts a lot of pressure on people if they haven't sort of inquired into that before to be these geniuses of their own sensuality or sexuality as soon as it comes to sex. And the fun thing is, is that you can do so much outside of sex to learn about who you are. But I do also recognise that that can feel like a huge workload for some people. So making just really small conscious movements towards um, inquiring into pleasure for you. And it is, it can be overwhelming, but it also can be really simple. And I just wrote down the question, like, what, like, what are your daily desires in the sense of what does my body desire today? Not yesterday, not later today, just in that, in this moment, maybe like, what am I desiring right now? And that might be, oh, I'm just going to stay in bed a little bit longer. Like that's a desire. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to stay in the shower a little bit longer, or I'm going to spend more time sitting in the car when I get home and just scroll on my phone. That's a desire that I have. Mm-hmm whatever it might be. So that's a really good point. Um, back to period sex. Because <laughs> we could just talk about so many topics. Is period sex safe? Mm. Let's look at it from a woman's perspective. Oh, sorry, a menstruator's perspective. Let me correct myself there. So um, someone menstruating versus someone who's not menstruating. Mm-hmm. So is period sex safe for a menstruator? Yes, it's it's absolutely safe um you uh, there, there are certain things that of course you need to do to practice safe sex so if you're not actively trying to get pregnant um and you're having sex with someone who has a penis um you should use protection a condom or or whatever protection you're using um it's also important to note that um some STIs can be more easily transmitted. So uh, viruses such as HIV and hepatitis, they can live in the menstrual blood. So that's also important to note that to practice safe sex, Mm. always practicing safe sex to keep your body safe, to keep other people's bodies safe too. But then in terms of if we're looking at, is it safe as in, I think there's sometimes the misconception that when you're bleeding something's broken or you're wounded and you might wound yourself even more um absolutely not that there that having sex or experiencing orgasmic pleasure or giving yourself pleasure solo sex can do so much for your body in those times that perhaps you're feeling pain so um orgasm can relieve menstrual cramps and pleasure, that release of dopamine um, and serotonin and all those oxytocin, all those um, feel-good neurochemicals. And pleasure is my remedy. Anytime I feel like I'm in pain, um, I don't experience bad uh, menstrual cramps, but say if I have a headache or or something, um, I will masturbate because it feels really good and, and I can feel that instant um, release of and, and the relief from pain. So mm. 
it, it can do a great deal to relieve any pain that you might be feeling. Also, it feels really good. And I think tying into what you were saying before, that we, as a world, we don't prioritise um, pleasure, but we do prioritise being busy, being productive, getting things done, being successful. And if you could just spend some time to prioritise feeling good when perhaps you're not feeling great if you're bleeding, um, that can do a lot to, to support you in feeling okay, moving with ease. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my brand new five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. A simplified self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in under a week. Receive daily educational class videos and audios along with action steps, a cycle tracking guide, cycle prompts, and my Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook. This is your chance to discover everything you wish they had have taught you at school about your cycle. How to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle signs before they arise. It's now your turn to join over 300 women from around the world who have already taken this course to reclaim and reconnect with their bodies. And you can do this too in under a week for less than a fancy vegan burger. To learn more, visit wellsome.com forward slash shop. And to thank you for being an amazing listener of this podcast, I want to offer you a 20% off voucher code. Use the code CYCLELOVE at checkout to save. When I when, like when you think of pleasure, when you have like you're saying like a headache, or even if you feel bloated, or you've got you know frustration going on in your life, you don't have to necessarily masturbate in a sexual way. You could even just do a pleasure practice where you spend ten or fifteen minutes stretching. I think like I'm not the sex coach here, but I know that a lot of women, if I look back at my previous experiences earlier on in my life and um, sexually you know, I was really disgusted about around like self-pleasure on a masturbation sense. But if I think about that, if I just allowed myself to please myself by laying on the carpet and stretching out my spine and, you know, rubbing my leg as I twist to one side and then touching my own butt and then going to the other side and, you know, in the shower, like washing my body and rubbing my boobs a little bit longer, that's all pleasurable too. And they're great stages I found at like opening up more and more into the self-pleasure, I guess, experience. So um, thank you for clarifying about safe sex practices with period sex. Now, was there anything that you could add in um, for those with penises, if they're having sex with someone who is menstruating? Like I know you mentioned about STIs, but I know from a male's perspective with a penis, sometimes men are really turned on by period sex and sometimes they're really disgusted and they're like oh i'm gonna i don't want your blood all over me mm -hmm. so let's talk about the safe sex practices and is it safe for men and going to that direction so um safe again acknowledging to um wear protection um to be if you're not wanting to get pregnant then you know do do what you need mm -hmm. on both a STI safe sex practice, but also contraceptive practice. Um, so this actually is so interesting. And I put a call out on my Instagram um, to people and I had a whole range of people coming back, but as your question was around men um, and people with penises, that I was surprised at how many people, from what, what we're told around this 
idea of disgust, but so many people were very open to it. They wanted to have sex still. Some were still concerned about the mess and all of that, but it, it was an overwhelming sort of response to, yeah, I'm okay with it, or I enjoy it, or it arouses me. If you are someone with a penis or a man who I, who has, it'll be really important for you to do a bit of work to figure out why you're disgusted by it. Because when you ejaculate, that's a bodily fluid that is perhaps going onto someone else who is bleeding or inside someone else who is bleeding. So um, that, why are you okay with that bodily fluid, but not another bodily fluid? And what is your disgust response? How is that impacting your partner or the person that you're having sex with? Because you're in a very vulnerable position when you're having sex with someone, you have to be vulnerable when it comes to sex and pleasure. So if you were to see someone who you're having sex with have a disgust response to something that is so natural and so healthy um, and such a part of your month, um, then it, it can do a lot to, it can have a huge impact on that person and how open and willing they will be to open up to experiencing and having a really good time with you. So I think a bit of inquiry. If, if you, it, so long as you're practicing safely, there's nothing bad about it. There are certain things that you can do to make it more enjoyable because of course, naturally we all have these things that turn us on and turn us off. So inquire into it, try to remove the judgment and horizontalize it, make it not about it being good or bad just is and figure out, um, why you think that way and why you feel that way and perhaps what would be more useful. Then do some really practical things like have some, have a towel, put a towel down or have some biodegradable wet wipes or a wet washcloth or jump in the shower straight after and it will be gone instantly. Um, there's, or, you know, the, we're, we're referring to penetrative sex but sex, of course, is so much more than just a penis going in a vagina. And if you say you're bleeding or you're having sex with someone who's bleeding and you don't want to get blood everywhere, then you can mutually masturbate. Masturbate while you're next to each other. Masturbate each other's bodies. There's so much that we can do when it comes to outer course that it's absolutely not all about actually that's just one tiny little aspect to sex penetration mm. there's so much more that you can do and perhaps that means that you get a bit creative when you're bleeding i love that because it, it goes back to what i was saying much earlier about how you can your sexual experience and desires can look different at different stages of your cycle and i think this really comes down to the topic of having the conversation with your sexual partner around period sex because if you're closed off to it, then like they're most likely going to be closed off if you don't talk about it. But before we go there, when we're just talking about males before, and sometimes if a male is quite disgusted about period, um, about your period or the blood of a period, understandable, they don't have a period. They've never personally experienced one. So they don't really know what it is. They haven't had the relationship with their body to get to know you know, their, their period blood, just like a male does have a relationship with a penis and can get to know what their boners are like 
And when they're feeling, oh, he's going to go and kill like, he's, oh, oh. <laughs> so <laughs> don't know what that's like. And men don't know what menstruation's like. But I think, and I'm just going to put this out there, G, that I really feel that men need to be more educated around the menstrual cycle and around periods and that whole menstrual time um, or menstruation time. And I think if that happened, then there would be a little bit more understanding um, from male counterparts or maybe a larger population of the people who, who are pro period sex would have a more open um, idea about it. But let's talk about conversations because I did put a post up recently on Instagram about period sex and it was like a funny meme that I made with Bart Simpson, like poking his head around, like, is the coast clear? Like I'm horny, is the coast clear? And <laughs> it got a lot of, com- I got so, my DM went crazy because people were like, I want to talk to my girlfriend about this and I really like period sex, but she doesn't really like it and I don't know. And I was like, you blown away at the amount of males who are really for period sex. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about conversations with our partners. How would you recommend, regardless of the sex or the gender, how would you recommend starting a conversation around period sex with someone that you've been in a relationship with for a little while, for like six months plus? Great question. Um, And I think the, the perfect thing to do would say, hey, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about period sex and it got me thinking I'm really curious about it. How do you feel about it? What do you think about it? I'm not sure how I feel about it, but I'd love to get a sense of what we could do together and what that would look like. Then, I mean, using that as an example, as a way to bring it up that- Good segue. Great segue. Um, And it also allows for a larger conversation. So maybe that means that you re-listen to this podcast together. But then I think, you know, communication, good communication can solve most relational issues. And there, it will rely on you perhaps stumbling, perhaps being awkward, perhaps not finding the right words, but that that is really important in the process. And that's what we call your learning edge. So your learning edge is often pretty uncomfortable, pretty awkward because it's new. If you push yourself too far it, and push your boundaries too far, that that won't be useful for you. But if you stay in the known and you stay too safe and in something that is really predictable and something that you always do, you also won't learn anything. So your learning edge is the sweet spot for where you will start to create new habits, do new things and get curious. So, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can approach it. Lead with curiosity, lead with openness and vulnerability. So questions like, I'm curious about this. How do you think? What do you, what are you wanting to do? Or it could be something like, oh, okay, so if we were to have this type of sex or do this kind of thing during menstruation, what would that look like for you? What would you need in order to make it a really pleasurable experience? Um, so finding ways that you you can both support each other, but also excite each other and figure out those boundaries so that you can explore even more because the more boundaries, the more communication, um, the more ideas you have around what you are willing to do and what you're not willing to do, that allows for a huge amount of exploration and play because you're really clear on what the other person wants and, and what you want to. There are also a few other questions like, 
how would you like to be touched and how do you want to touch me that can do so much for getting clear on how you want to be touched in every sexual experience and how you want to touch your other partner's body for your own pleasure it it really removes sex from this idea of just being about two naked bodies penetrating each other. Instead, it, sex becomes something that you co-create because essentially, you know, every time you have sex with someone new, whether, and actually every time you have sex with someone, whether you're in a six month relationship, whether you've been together for six years, you will be going into it as a new experience there and a new person in that they'll perhaps want something or be curious about something else. So get curious around what they want and what they need in that moment. Such great tips. It just got me thinking about personal growth, like your growth, your partner's growth, and then your growth in the relationship. You're always learning. They're always learning. And so you're constantly meeting each other in a new position all the time. And if you keep those pathways of vulnerability open and clear communication, then that's really how you can continually grow together rather than like hit speed blocks, like bang, bang. Um, and I'm just going to throw it out there. This may or may not be correct, but it's probably a good idea to not have those conversations whilst you're having sex or in a sexual experience. <laughs> is that right? That That is a great piece of advice for people. And, and some people, you know, some people, it may be useful for them. But most of the time, because we are so vulnerable when we're having sex, it can be too much. It can feel like a personal attack. You, if you think that you're, you know, pretty experienced and pretty good at sex and then someone then shatters this when you're mid-flow, it could be um, really, yeah, it could, could feel really wounding. Um, also, because you're, when you're having sex, you can be really aroused or you, you can feel really emotional. There's just a whole range of things going on in your embodied responses. So... Um, finding a way to have the conversation outside of sex can be really useful, but, but also continuing that conversation while you're having sex. And I think that people often think that if you're speaking during sex, it's going to kill the mood, but that's actually a really dangerous approach to um, sex because then that leaves out any communication around consent and boundaries, what's changed and what you want, how you want to negotiate something different. So have, have those bigger conversations, maybe the bigger conversations about period sex. How do you feel about it? How will we make this work? What, what will be really exciting about this? And then you continue that communication, verbal and nonverbal, while you're having sex with someone else, so that it does remain a really great, fulfilling experience. Mm, such great tips. Oh my God. I'm loving this conversation so much. <laughs> uh, we're almost out of time, though. Um, if for the, the people listening who are like, you know, I'd like to explore this. I've never kind of done the period sex thing, but I'm now that I'm, I've listened to this episode, I'm feeling a bit more open towards it. What are three tips that you could give both genders, um, all genders, um, around exploring and opening up into period sex for maybe the first time? Awesome. So there are a few things you can do. I don't know if I'll be able to keep it to three. Um, so be open, have the conversation, 
it, and this, this, as you've sort of framed the question being around sex with another person, um, that's what this, these tips will be like. And then maybe I can kind of touch on when it's sex with yourself, but when it's sex with another person, be open, have the conversation, get curious, bring a bit of excitement to it, but then also, um, bring your vulnerability into that as well. The second piece is find ways to make it enjoyable for you. So for some people, that will mean um, getting a dark coloured towel down or a dark coloured sheet. It will mean having access to something that can wipe blood off. It will mean, you know, wearing a condom so that the thing or a dental dam so that there's no blood on or in the other person's body. Um, it might mean incorporating toys so that you can mutually masturbate or do a whole range of other things. So find ways that will make it a really great experience for you and have them handy. Get creative is the second piece. So, sorry, the third piece. So you could have sex in the shower or in the bath, or you could find new ways to have sex. You, you absolutely can redefine how you have sex or how you want to have sex and um, get creative with that because that can be really fun. And possibly one of the, the last pieces would be to slow down. Um, when you're trying something new, it can be, I guess, useful to, to start a bit slower so that you can check in with your body and someone else's and also knowing that you might feel tender when you're bleeding um, if you can go a bit slower tune in to your body communicate constantly verbally and non-verbally with whoever you're having sex with um, that can make it a yeah a really great experience and possibly those a few of those um tips could be applied to when you're having sex with yourself. But the first one would be more about checking in with your own boundaries rather than communicating the, them to someone else, like really figuring it out for yourself and listening to your body. Gee, these are such great tips. Um, something that you were talking about, like with getting creative and finding ways for it to be enjoyable. I really feel that for a menstruator, having a sexual experience with another person, it's really important to know your body and to know your actual makeup of your yoni, if that's what you refer to it as, um, particularly because your cervix is at its lowest peak. So it's actually so much lower in the vaginal canal than what it is closer to ovulation mid-cycle. So when you were saying before, just briefly before about it might be a little bit more tender or um, maybe it is a little bit more painful to have sex than when you're not having sex, you've got to be aware that your cervix is open menstruating through the cervix and it's much much lower to the edge of your vagina or your vaginal entrance so knowing your own anatomy and knowing your own body get to know i would suggest to throw in like an extra tip is every time you're menstruating you know do, do a cervix test <laughs> like feel your cervix and where it is in your body and how that feels for you um, i would suggest things along those lines too so thank you. They're such great tips. Um, one final question I have for you. Hello, are you there? Hi. That's okay. That's okay. That weirdly clicked out. Hopefully you didn't lose that. No, I didn't. I didn't lose you. Okay. Um, 
And I would literally was just like, I was just talking about stuff. And then I'm about, I'm about to ask you a question. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Because cool. I know you've got to go. Yeah. Right, so, so G, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I have one final question and it's a, it's a guest question that I ask every guest and we're kind of switching the sex gears into just menstruation. But G, what are three guiding tips that you wish you knew as a young teen tween menstruator for the first time that you now know about menstruation that you wish you had have known when you started menstruation? Ooh, <laughs> so many. One, don't put a tampon in if you're not bleeding because it will hurt and it'll feel uncomfortable. That's a great tip. <laughs> yeah. I've not heard that one yet. I just wanted to try it and I really, yeah. <laughs> that's it that's self self-experience reflection reflection there <laughs> number two um period sex is safe and sexy and um so long as everyone is willing and happy to be there you can absolutely still have sex when you're bleeding and number three i would say indulge in things that make you feel good when you're feeling tender. And for me, that is when I'm bleeding. I, I wish I had told, I wish I knew that as a young person that I would just go a little bit easier on myself and um, find, find some pleasure and give myself some pleasure in those few days. Beautiful, such easy tips, but man, that last one, indulgence, something that makes you feel good. Like even if that's a longer sleep in or, a piece of chocolate or a nice warm hug or just eating popcorn and watching Netflix, like indulge, you deserve it. Mm. Um, G, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We are out of time, unfortunately, and I would love to have you back to talk about some other topics. Um, but how can our listeners find out about you and discover you and learn more about what it is that you do? So I'm on Instagram as gspot.underscore. Um, you could head to my website. Actually, all those details are on my Instagram, but that's www.georgiagracedgraced.com. Um, get in touch with me there. I've got a, an online course for couples. I'm developing an online course at the moment, actually, so that will be out soon. Um, I've got a book all about masturbation that's called The Pleasure Journal. But really, possibly the best place would be to find me on Instagram and just see what sparks your interest from there. Find creativity there because your gram feed is so creative. I love it. Now that I know that you're like a journalist of past life, I um I just it makes so much more sense. Yeah. How amazing <laughs> it all is. So I'll pop all those links in the show notes for you ladies and men and, um, and women who are listening to check it out. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, 
Body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 